It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Hello, Koshi here with a small favour. Each year we run a subscriber survey to help us understand our audience and what we can do to help you be a better investor. I'd love you to fill it out. You can find it at osbiz.co.survey or follow the link in the program notes. To sweeten the deal, there are some great prizes on offer, including lunch with the Osbiz experts. Thanks for doing that. Now enjoy the call. Good afternoon. Great to have you here along with us for the call. 10 stocks picked by you to expert guests in 60 minutes. On this Thursday, the 24th of March, I'm Nadine Blaney. Let's introduce you to the experts we've got on hand today. Joining us from Ordmanet is David Lane and Michael Gable from Fairmont Equities. David, we'll start with you. Um, how's this current period of volatility treating you? Because the Australian market, relatively speaking, has been doing very well, a little bit of a safe haven in times of elevated commodity prices and war. Yeah, certainly at the index level, that's that's holding us up well. As you said, we've got a, a very high weighting towards resources, um, but it is a very volatile period and we have seen a sell-off in uh, particularly a lot of the smaller companies and a lot of the, those companies that have uh, been tied to, to growth or to technology. So uh, there is some value emerging. And, and when we look at the, the overall index compared to others, the, the ASX is, is reasonable value, trading on a PE ratio of about 15.8 times, uh, which is actually below where it was pre-COVID because we've seen a, a fairly big increase in, in earnings. So not bad from a valuation point of view, but obviously we've got significant uh, global issues going on and heading into an interest rate rising environment. So uh, certainly a lot to talk to clients about. Sir, it is. I'm just noticing that US crude futures have risen by more than a dollar, you know, just in the past half hour or so to over 115 US dollars a barrel. So. I don't know if we'll talk about oil coming up. We will see. Um, Michael Gable from Fairmont Equities here with me in studio. Um, look, we say it often, but is now in particular a real stock pickers market? Yeah, definitely. And of course, I would say that. But uh, no, definitely, that's that's the case. So if we think back to the last, you know, say a year ago, 18 months ago, in hindsight, it was that type of market where you just had to hold on to your stocks because they were trending you know, steadily higher, doing very well. Um, but definitely since uh, about mid last year, you know, the market's made no progress. It's been very choppy. Um, not all sectors are performing. We've seen, you know, for example, tech stocks in the last few months underperform. Um, as David mentioned, resources are doing very well. So definitely if you can target those right areas and target the right stocks, you can make money in an environment where the broader mm -hmm. index isn't doing anything. Okay. so. Let's get to some of those companies that perhaps may help uh, your portfolio in the in the long run. Net wealth will be discussed. Unibel Redemco Westfield Whisper is on the list as well for Connell. Connell, if you're watching, that's coming up. KGL Resources, 
as well as Aussie broadband. And we've got our stock of the day being JB Hi-Fi. I thought we'd look at one of the favorite retailers that we talk about here on the call and is often you know, used as a bellwether for consumer confidence and has often been discussed as one of those companies that may suffer as we're out of lockdowns and as consumer uh, sentiment really shifts towards certain areas of retail. Well, growth has continued this quarter with JB Hi-Fi updating the market today saying Australian sales were up more than 11% to date. It is saying that it is seeing sustained customer demand across the group. And in particular, it's saying that gross margins at good guys are looking very strong. It says that it's really been disciplined in particular in relation to cost control. Now, despite the strong company update, it says that it is not appropriate to provide full year guidance, particularly as COVID rated disruptions are expected to continue. So JB Hi-Fi has been one of those companies that has refused to give any forward guidance in any of its updates and reports. Looking good this morning, up by 4.3%. Uh, David Lane, I'll start with you just uh, for, um, for ease here. Basically, those quarterly sales are coming in ahead of earnings. So this is momentum continuing at a pace that many in the market had not expected. How about you? That's right. And, and we found in their half yearly result that their sales expectation or their sales result was actually higher than what we had anticipated. Uh, our analysts have been anticipating that there will be a bit of a slowdown in their sales. Uh, the announcement today showed that JB Hi-Fi is, is continuing to do well, as you said. Um, good guys slightly below where they were in the, the half year result, but still tracking very, very strongly. So. We are seeing a continuation of, of demand. Uh, I think for JB Hi-Fi, we will uh, continue to see some some strong sales growth there. Uh, and short term, I suppose, we've had the impact of the, the floods across the East Coast. So there will actually be the replenishing of TVs, fridges, freezers, etc. cetera. Uh, so that plays into to both JB Hi-Fi and, and good guys as well. So uh, continuation of a of a good story. Uh, it's a stock that, that we like. We've currently got a, a buy recommendation on it. Uh, it's got a good dividend yield of 7.2%, fully franked, uh, and they are currently going through a buyback, which is the reason that they, they made that announcement today to keep the market updated. So uh, an opportunity there for investors who are in pension phase, perhaps, or in a self-managed fund to, to look at the buyback as well. Okay, so that all sounds very positive. A buy recommendation coming from David Lane at Ordmanette. So is the, when you think of JB Hi-Fi, Michael, mm. do you think of the upside risks, which is, you know, the sales momentum continuing again yeah. longer than had been expected? Or do you start to wonder about risks from inventory mm. if we do see a, a change in these market dynamics? Um, yeah, obviously there are those, um, those downside risks. I'm, I'm more on the side of you know, just being a bit too too cautious on this one at the moment. So I just think those, I, I just think there are too many downside risks at the moment for me to be to be buying. And I mean, you mentioned the inventory um, story. I mean, I've, I've put an order to buy something at um, Good Guys back in December, and I still don't have it yet. So um, there are those. So there's those issues there, the inventory issues. Um, you know, inflationary concerns maybe down the track they might find it difficult to pass on um, some of the increased costs. And there's also a risk that maybe uh, economies do slip into recession at the end of the year. So, you know, I'm not predicting that would happen, <clears throat> but, uh, 
but I just feel as though there are just too many risks there at the moment. Um, and then in terms of the way JB Hi-Fi is trading, um, it's actually made no progress to the share price for the last year and a half. So it's been trading in this big range from about sort of $44 to about 55 And even with a nice result in February, um, the half yearly, the share price shot up and when it got near 55 it was sold down again. So it's good to see it up today, but I just wonder if it's gonna get near $55 and the selling kicks in. So from the charting point of view, I'd like to see it clear that upper level, mm -hmm. um, clear that range, and that would make me feel more confident. Um, so I think that combined with those those downside risks, I'd, I'd just um, stay on the sidelines at the moment. But would you hold it if you already owned <clears> it, of course, because you've got the buyback coming and no real reason to sell? Yeah, look, I mean, especially on the back of what it's announced today and the fact that the shares are performing well on a down day, I'd hold it, but just be very uh, just be very mindful of the fact that if it gets near 55 and then struggles again, I might end up taking my profits at that level. Got it. Thank you. Thanks for the stock of the day. Let's get to some of the companies that have been nominated by you, starting with NetWealth for Live. NWL is the ticker code. Look, it reported and it was a very sharp and se severe share price reaction in the wake of the report back in February because it saw costs really, really rising. But it has been investing in getting funds under management growth and that is going quite well. So really positive funds growth trend. And uh, David, is net wealth also, I mean, leverage to the interest rate hike cycle. I mean, that could be quite positive for net wealth, correct? Yes, quite. Yeah, it, it could be quite positive for them. Um, we are seeing that the, the overall industry uh, with the likes of uh, not only net wealth, but Hub24 Premium uh, are growing their funds under management. And uh, we're seeing that, that those three companies in particular are, are taking market share from the, the major incumbents, the likes of BT Rap and and Macquarie Wrap and uh, Colonial First State. So the tailwinds are in in the favour of the likes of net wealth. Um, we have a preference towards Hub24 in that sector. Uh, net wealth, as you mentioned uh, in their result, their costs are, are rising uh, and they did actually pull the pin on their proposed takeover offer for premium, which we saw as being a, a good strategic uh, play for them, but pulling back on that, um, yeah, we're, we're not not overly sure on their their strategy. So I tend to prefer Hub Twenty Four, but we do have an accumulate on on net wealth at the moment. Um, why? What is it specifically about Hub Twenty Four that you like, David, better than net wealth? Uh, they've been in improving their their market share. They've recently bought in the the class business. Uh, they are a um, a different style of business in that it's the super fund management uh, so it gives Harbour a bit more uh, diversity in terms of their, their offering and uh, tend to think that, that Hub is slightly better priced uh, net wealth at the moment as you said it sold off in Feb but the, their share price has recovered a little bit recently so our target price is $15 they're currently trading at about $14.50 so there's not a great deal of upside in the current share price for net wealth. Got it. Thank you. Um, Michael, net wealth, mm. how do you view the company itself? Um, it is in a very, mm. um, a very a part of the market that has been in a bit of a sweet spot. And yeah. with interest rate risings, could that continue? Yeah, I just wonder if, um, look, they've seen some great earnings growth um, and fund inflows over the last few years, that whole sector has. I just wonder if we've seen the best um, of 
you know, of that sort of earnings growth and maybe it might moderate from here. So the, I guess the concern is if the costs are, are still quite high and, and maybe the earnings aren't going to grow at, at these same rates, um, we might find mm. it hard for the share price to do much from here. So this would be one of those stocks where I'd like to wait until maybe the next round of results and just make sure they've got their costs under control. Um, they're still able to grow. And yeah, look, I, and the way it's trading on the chart, it's sort of similar to JB Hi-Fi, just stuck in a range. It's not going anywhere. It's not getting away from anybody. I don't think you, you, know, you need to rush into it. I mm-hmm. think we can wait for a little bit more information on the table first. Thank you. So that is a hold. Yeah, I'd be happy to hold here. It's, it's, it's recovering from the bottom of that range, but mm-hmm. I wouldn't be going out to buy it. Thank you. Now, Unibel, Redemco, Westfield, URW, this is for Nile. Look, it's a, it's a tough business right now because we do have lockdowns ending, life returning to normal. It has these high quality assets in the United States and parts of Europe. Um, but at the same time, you know, we've got rising interest rates in parts of the world. We have war happening in Ukraine, which is going a long way to dampen consumer sentiment as are inflationary concerns. So is this just a very tough operating environment for, you know, any real operator of shopping centers? Doesn't matter where you are in the world. David? Absolutely. Yeah, that's exactly the case that we're finding that uh, shopping centers are uh, the, the longer term outlook for shopping centres is, is struggling a little bit. Uh, we are seeing a bigger increase to online shopping and the, the major centres themselves are having to, to retool and become more entertainment uh, spaces. In the case of Unibail, Redamco Westfield, uh, their strategy is actually to sell off a lot of their, their um, centres and focus on major uh, shopping centres in high wealth areas. So we actually see their earnings declining in the short term uh, and seeing that, that most of the returns are actually coming from sales of, of centres, many of which are actually being sold at a discount. Uh, and you mentioned that the rising interest rates, as we see interest rates rise, that has an impact on the, the valuation of the properties as well with the potential of of uh, capital reductions there. So it's it's not a business that that I'd be investing in. Uh, we've currently got a sell recommendation on uh, on Unibail. Is it, uh, you know, does that sort of thinking hold true for a centre group? As we know, the two were split. Uh, the Lowy's got out, um, well, some say they saw the peak in the cycle. Um, but yep. a centre group has been in a pretty, pretty good position. I mean, it's, um, it's got valuations going to its advantage and uh, it didn't really lose many of its um, occupants or renters through that COVID period. Um, is it a more sound investment here in Australia? I think so, yes. Yeah, Centre Group's a, a little bit of a different business in that uh, it, it now doesn't have the, the global diversification and certainly uh, in Unibail's case, they've had issues with valuations in the UK, as you said, in Australia, valuations have, have held reasonably well and and occupancy has held fairly well. So slightly different businesses uh, and you know, probably w- wouldn't be as negative on, on Centre Group as we are on Unibail. 
Okay, it's not exactly a ringing endorsement there. So, um, Niall, take that with, uh, with uh, how you like. Let's get a view from Michael Gable from Fairmont Equities. So first with Unibel, Redemco, Westfield. Mm. Too tough or when the cycle changes, do you think that you know, they could be strategic in you know, really taking advantage of some of those yeah. um, wealthier areas that they're operating in, higher quality, I suppose, um, customers? Yeah, I think again, there's, there's the for and against arguments. I mean, what could make it go up? Um, as you mentioned, I think also, you know, again, I've just, you know, we've got this risk of you know, rising rates, potential sort of recession down the track. Um, if we're wrong about that, um, if we're wrong about inflation, then that would be a positive surprise for a business like this. But I just, even that's not compelling enough to, to feel as though it's great value down here. I mean, even before COVID hit, um, since since you, URW uh, became URW okay. from the um, from the buyout, um, it had already lost about a third of its value before COVID hit. So it was already on a bit of a decline anyway because of those structural changes uh, around shopping centres, and then of course COVID hit, which um, which then saw it lose another half of its uh, its share price again. So again, I just think there's just too many negatives stacked up. Um, against this. In terms of, you know, uh, real estate in, in general, I think, you know, I'm happy to hold Goodman Group as an industrial property trust, but I just think anything on the, on the discretionary side, just the risk's a little bit too much. I might have a different view in six months from now, but mm -hmm. it just looks like it might be a very difficult year for, for that sector. Yeah, and then you have, I mean, back to the stock of the day, JB Hi-Fi still saying that even though mm -hmm. it continues to see strong sales coming through beating expectations, it's still not confident enough to provide guidance exactly. going forward. There's so many moving parts right now, um, particularly with consumer confidence. And I suppose we'll get a readout on consumer confidence from the States on Friday. All right, so that is for Niall. Let's get to Whisper. This is for Connell. WSP is the ticker code. Um, this is a company that was flying pretty high um, after listing and um, you know did quite well through that sort of COVID period when a lot of tech shares we're going quite well as well. But um, obviously uh, that hasn't particularly persisted and we've seen the share price, you know, pretty much, Michael, mm. on the charts uh, looking a bit weak after that initial spike after listing. Mm. Um, so can you maybe start with the technical view of Whisper because we know that uh, what the macro is saying to us about rising bond yields and pressure being put on the tech, but is there any reason or anything in those charts that would make you think that it's looking good value and might break out? <laughs> um, Unfortunately not. So it is it is quite clearly in a downtrend and there's no signs of that that downtrend ending. And um, um, you sort of stole my the next point I was going to make, which was um, in terms of yield. So what's what's very, uh, you know, a lot of viewers will probably notice that you know, pull up a chart of Whisper, pull up a chart of most tech stocks and they pretty much look the same. So they've all they've all had that massive run up um, at the end of 2020, early 2021. Uh, and then from mid last year, they've just been been trending lower. So that is a great lesson for investors that share prices don't just go up based on what the company does. So whether you're Whisper, whether you're you know, Tesla, or whatever tech company it is, you also have to bear in mind what's happening on the macro level, what interest rates are doing, because that does have an effect on share prices. So maybe Whisper's got a great product. It looks like it is a great product. Um, they're signing up new customers. They're trying to expand uh, in the US. That's all well and good. But Clearly, these these other macro issues uh, are just too strong for the share price to to improve. Um, you know, can we buy it here and assume that 
um, that when all this passes, uh, it, it will recover well. That's, you know, with any sort of expansion overseas, there are risks. So you could buy it here, hoping that eventually all these fear about interest rates goes away and the tech stocks go back up again. But maybe when that happens, something's happened with Whisper where they haven't maybe executed properly on the expansion, or maybe there's another competitor and and then you just find out you're stuck in a stock that, that isn't going to recover. So the short answer is I just think it's too too early to be buying something. I don't want to be buying something that's pretty much going to be losing money on day one because it's in a downtrend. Okay, there you go. I wonder if David Lane from Ward Manette sees things differently. I think he might if I've read my note properly. <laughs> so so the question then is if um, from what I've seen, Ord's believes in the sort of medium term story, saying it's a superior growth story over the medium term, it's pushing into Asia, pushing into North America. Is it cheap enough to buy it now or could you wait as we see the macro environment play out and get it cheaper? That, that's always the, the big question is, is when to buy. Uh, but certainly we, we do think that it is a, uh, a, a good value where it is. Based on our, uh, our target price, we sort of see about 69% upside from the current price. Uh, we actually had the, the management present yesterday. There's a odd minute uh, wealth management conference going on at the moment and, and Whisper presented yesterday and provided a very positive update on their uh, on their business. They had very strong half, uh, record half result. That was partly due to um, contracts with the government to uh, have messaging around the, the vaccine rollout. Um, so that was a, a, a positive for them in the last half. But even when you strip that out, their ongoing annualised uh, recurring revenue is, is up about 26%. So we think it's a, it's a business that has good, uh, good customer retention. They are, uh, as, as Michael mentioned, getting new customers. Their main customer is Telstra, which has been a very positive um, uh, partner for them and, and their um, their use is increasing. Just announced another uh, government contract as well. So it is a business that we see good growth in. Um, the, the big question is whether or not the, the current share price is, is low enough uh, and that's where those macro factors come in. But uh, as, a, as a good tech stock um, with good revenue, um, yeah, we like it at current levels. It's a buy then from Ord Manette. Hey, that's what makes the market differing opinions, isn't it? Now, for Marie, we take our first foray into resources and uh, KGL Resources. So I had to look it up. It's developing a high grade copper project in the Northern Territory. It's called Gervois, Gervois maybe, and it's a fully permitted Brownfields project um, and it's got three deposits. So apparently it's going to be producing about 30,000 tons per year of copper in concentrate, um, if everything I suppose goes to plan and it's got a feasibility study coming through sometime in the first half. I didn't see it. I had a little look around. Um, David, do you know this company? Because it's quite small. It seems to be in the right area of the market if we're thinking about decarbonization and supply demand. Uh, what do you think of KGL? Yeah, absolutely. It is one that I know that uh, Ords have actually uh, initiated coverage on it in, in January this year. Uh, we do have a speculative buy recommendation on it because, as you said, it is in development phase. Uh, it's it's one stock that you um, are taking a, a high risk with with investing in, but the the upside potential is very positive. Uh, they actually announced a um, 
an update on their their resource yesterday, uh, which was a, a fairly significant increase in their their uh, potential uh, size of their resources. So uh, positive um, pop in the share price yesterday. We see it as being a, a stock that has upside of potentially 70% based on our target price of 80 cents at the moment. Um, but have to reiterate, it is very high risk and uh, yeah, it is in that speculative category. So a specy buy from Ordmanet and also um, Michael, a specy buy from Morgans. Hmm. So what do you think <clears throat> about KGL resources? It hasn't, it's not one I had heard of, yeah. um, but I'm very bullish on, on resources. I mean, you know, outside of gold, um, you know, I think most resources should do well. I think the problem is, um, you know, holding yourself back. Otherwise you end up with a portfolio full of resources because it's the, you know, it's the best performing sector. I think copper, um, copper prices will do well over time. Um, so yeah, look, I think if, if you like the business, um, obviously David's familiar with it, I'm not, but you know, it's the right sector. Um, in terms of the chart, it looks like it's trying to bottom out here as well. So for me, I'd be happy to, to hold it. I think if I could see a little bit more positive momentum, it would be more of a buy, but, um, but no, it does look like it's trying to, to find a low here and get going. So All it does right. look interesting. Okay, KGL Resources, we'll put a call into them. Hopefully we can speak with somebody to get the latest update. Um, so this next one on the list is for Claire. And just remember, um, this is not you know, financial advice in any way, shape or form. It's not designed for your personal financial circumstances. So use this as information to go out and arm, your, arm yourself and do your own research. So Claire, Aussie Broadband is your pick, ABB. Michael, I'll start with you because we're with you already. Mm -hmm. um, just yesterday, it was forecast that it will connect between 85 and 95,000 houses to its network over the first six months of this year. EBITDA forecast to hit between 27 and 30 million over the six month period. It's just finalized uh, the over the wire purchase that it had um, in the book. So what do you think of Aussie Broadband going forward? I think it looks, I think it looks good. So, um, you know, obviously they're, they're growing their earnings. Um, you know, their, their guidance looks good. Uh, it's, it's a stock that's trending well. There's, there's clearly some good buying support. So I'd be happy to hold or even buy here. I mean, it's, it's hitting the old high from November, um, so there is a little bit of selling happening, but to me, it doesn't look like it's uh, there, there's a lot of selling. I think it'll push through that 550 mark um, pretty soon and just continue onwards and upwards. So, yeah, happy to happy to have this one. Happy to buy Aussie Broadband. It's one of those companies. Every time we speak about it analysts often say, and it, and it has such good reviews, which matters in this sort of space. What do you think about Aussie Broadband? Um, was, is it getting a little bit expensive or do you see the growth runway justifying the share price? Yeah, that's a, an excellent question. Uh, we like the company. It, it's a company that we've had a, a buy recommendation on for a long time. Again, they actually uh, gave a presentation yesterday in our wealth management con conference and it was very positive in terms of their integration of the over the wire uh, and the the expectations that they have in that uh, the the businesses were different enough to be complementary to each other uh, so they see further growth coming out of, of both their existing residential and business uh, broadband capabilities but having said that as you mentioned that the share price is is getting you know fairly high at the moment 545. Our target price on them is 565. So 
does have the potential to um, you know, come back a little bit if there's if there's some further weakness in the market. Uh, so, yeah, even though we've got a buy recommendation on it, probably for for individuals who don't have the the stock, may look for a little bit of a pullback in the the market over the coming weeks. Got it. Thank you. And it could happen in this volatile environment, no doubt. All right, we'll take a bit of a just a bit of a pause. Get you up to date on some other things. Recapping what we've learned. Look, JB Hi-Fi is a buy when it comes to Ordmanet and David Lane, good dividend yield, buyback on the table, and the momentum in terms of sales is still behind it. But Michael is just weighing up some of those downside risks, inflation, consumer confidence, and uh, the charts aren't screaming a buy to him either. There's been no real progress in the share price. It's just trading in a range. Net wealth, it's a hold for Michael. Um, Again, he says there's no hurry to buy. Wait till you see it break out. Wondering if he's seen the best of the earnings growth in that wealth management platform space. Uh, Looks solid business, says David Lane, but he prefers Hub24 in that space. Even though it's got to accumulate on the stock at Ordmanet, it's got a $15 price target. Unibel Rodenko Westfield sell for David Lane. And for Michael Wayne, look, he just says there's too many, not Michael Wayne, sorry, Michael Gable. Too many negatives, and he would prefer, if you're looking at property, Goodman Group. So still in that sort of industrial commercial property space. Whisper, it's an avoid for Michael. Uh, He says it's clearly in a downtrend on the charts as well. Think of the macro environment. Think of what we're seeing with bond yields. Think of how that is likely to continue impacting some of these tech stories. So until there's a turnaround, he's in no rush to get in. But it's a buy for David Lane. He says it's good value right now. He has 69% upside possible from its current share price. Uh, KGL Resources, it's a hold for Michael. He likes the resources space, but he would just wait to see some momentum behind it in the charts. And it's a specky buy for David, very high risk, but does see 70% upside possible if it gets that um, yeah, that copper out of the ground and sold. And we just talked about Aussie Broadband, so it was a buy for David Lane, and it was a buy for Michael Gable. So that will be put to the investment committee for consideration. The portfolio is live. Uh, we had stocks put into a high call, uh, conviction fund. And what's in there, these have been picked by our investment committee from suggestions from this program, BHP Macquarie Mineral Resources, Steadfast Aristocrat Audinate, you can see the rest there, as well as smaller parcels of Qantas and Frontier Digital Ventures. And we've also got 20% held in cash. The investment committee will be meeting next week. They will consider all the buys, holds and sells that have been put forward from this program and they'll decide whether they will change up the composition of that high conviction portfolio. So, yeah, stay tuned. We'll bring you more of the investment committee just after next week. At CMC, we've been in the game for a while, and although a lot of things have changed, our mentality hasn't. We aim to give experienced traders the best trading experience, like our expert platform with its second-to-none trading tools, plus our pricing is completely transparent. That's why people who've been trading for a long time stay with us for a long time. So if you're serious about trading, switch to the market leader trusted for over 30 years. Trade CFDs your way at cmcmarkets.com. You don't own underlying assets. Consider relevant PDS and TMD or information memorandum from CMC Pro accounts at our website. Welcome back to the call. In this half of the program, more companies picked by you, Angus, Jeff, Daniel, Molly, and Ashton. So Baby Bunting, Pacific Smiles, REA Group, Bluebet, and Sims. So quite a range of companies that we'll be discussing over the next half hour or so. All right, let's go back to the retail space. We had JB Hi-Fi as our stock of the day. It divided my expert guests. 
I'll start with you, Michael Gable, baby bunting. This is mm. for Angus. So it had a pretty strong most recent result. Yeah. Margin growth, um, you know, sales growth. It's still looking to open more stores. Do you like it? What's, um, what's very interesting about that result um, is that it looked great on paper for all the reasons that you mentioned, but the market sold into, uh, sold into that. Um, so for me, that's always a red flag on a business when it reports really well and then you're still left scratching your head wondering, you know, why doesn't the share price improve? And even if you give it a few more days to make sure that, that you know, everyone's had time to digest it. Um, yeah, to me, that's just telling me that it'll probably just continue falling. I mean, if we look at, you know, I was, I was doing a presentation the other day and I used Appen as an example of a stock that reported really well about a year and a half ago. Um, but was sold down and then continued to seemingly report well until everyone realised there was a problem with it. So I just think that, that that kind of share price reaction will tell me that they'll continue to be selling pressure for a period of time. Obviously, we've got the, the risks I mentioned earlier around um, discretionary retail. So, yeah, unfortunately, as good as the business is performing, I just think it'll get cheaper um, from here. Okay, so, so I wouldn't be buying it. No, so if you already held it, would you hold on to it though? No, I'd be selling it after that type of share price reaction. Okay, so there you go. Um, the brokers love this one though, I've got to say. Uh, Morgan's has an ad, Macquarie outperforms, City a buy, Morgan Stanley overweight. I don't want to steal your thunder, but Ordmanet is a buy as well. So why? Yeah, that's right. The, the result was a good one. It was certainly above our expectations. Um, and importantly, their margins have actually been increasing uh, and we see that they will continue to, to have uh, strong sales. Uh, their, their online sales are improving as well, so there's, there's further upside there and potential for further store rollouts across the country. So, um, yeah, it is a business that it's not overly cheap, I would say, based on current fundamentals. P ratio of about 17.8 times, but importantly, their their earnings are, are rising by about 16% a year. So uh, a strong earning business, uh, and it is in a, a, a sweet spot in terms of the, um, you know, the the economy. Okay, so why then? I suppose are we not seeing the share price? Well, you say that it's pretty expensive for where it is, but it's still off the highs that it had back in yep. November. If you're looking at a six-month chart. Um, year to date still off the highs as well. So what's happening? I mean, why isn't there this enthusiasm for this company, which yes, it's discretionary, but it's kind of discretionary. You know, when you think about having a baby and the kind of stuff you need. Yeah, you certainly don't have a lot of choice when, uh, <laughs> you know, when you are having babies. So, uh, and, it, and it has got a very good market share in that sector. Uh, I think we did see a little bit of a sell off with many of the discretionary retailers with um, coming out of, of COVID, there was the, the thought that um, you know, their, their sales momentum wouldn't continue. But as you say, I think baby bunting's in a, in a different space. Uh, and as we've seen with JB Hi-Fi, their uh, sales continue to be fairly strong as well. So it is a business that I think will continue to, to perform well in terms of their profitability and, and their revenue is concerned. Uh, in terms of the, the share price, um, yeah, we, we see it as, as being a, a, a reasonable buy uh, at, at, you know, to hold in a portfolio as to whether or not you get it cheaper or not. I'm, I'm not really a chartist, so I don't tend to, to follow the, the short-term movements of, of the charts. 
Okay, so that is for Angus. Let's continue on with Pacific Smiles. So this is a small cap, um, and this is for Jeff. So Pacific Smiles, it has continually been hurt, obviously, by COVID and lockdowns, and there's still uncertainty um, on that front. I mean, you just have to look around our newsroom, and you know that you know COVID is still very real, and the impact as yep. people have to isolate still. So is the timing of a rebound really the X factor when it comes to Pacific Smiles? And, and is it worth sort of holding on for that, for that uptick that will likely to come as it continues to expand its footprint? Yeah, well, it certainly had an impact on, on their recent results. Uh, the, the company's moved into, uh, into a loss, but the expectations are that they will return to profitability as, as their uh, um, practices reopened. They had a little bit of a short-term impact from the, the recent floods with a number of their practices being closed uh, and the Lismore practices are still closed, but the, the rest of the, the country is, is reopened. Um, it is a, an area that obviously, as you've been in lockdown, dentistry hasn't necessarily been high on people's priority list, but there's probably a lot of people around the country that, that haven't been to a dentist for two years or so, uh, and certainly going to my dentist recently, I found that the, there was a, a waiting list of about a month or so. So um, there, there is a bit of uh, latent demand, and over the next 12 months, we should see an improved outlook for the, for the business. So is it really good value right now? Well, we're, yeah, we've got a buy recommendation on it. Uh, target price of 308, so it indicates an upside of, of 42%. Uh, and current dividend yield of 3.5% fully frank, so it's it's reasonable in terms of their, their income is concerned as well. Uh, and it's probably been through the worst of the period. Uh, the next 12 to 18 months should be an improved outlook for it. Got it. Now, Michael, I know that chart doesn't look very you know, it doesn't look crash hot, really, hmm. but there are external impacts, you know, that have yeah. been coming from, you know, Mother Nature, as David just uh, explained, also health concerns as well. So, again, is it good value? Is it starting to look good value to you? Yeah, well, before, you know, before COVID, they were growing the revenue quite nicely. So, at least this is a business where you can clearly see that they were doing well here. COVID had this impact. And then quite clearly when now that COVID's over, dare I say, um, everyone's going to go back to the dentist because it shouldn't really be a discretionary thing. We should all just be doing it. So I think it will rebound from here. Um, you know, we've seen a share price drop from about $3 to just over $2. Um, so it has been in that range for the last year because of the COVID impacts, but it's at the bottom of the range. And it is actually looking like it's bouncing from these low levels. So I was going to come in and say it's a tentative buy, but you probably want something a bit a bit more decisive. I'd, I'd be I'd be happy to buy here because of um, yeah. I think it's quite clear that they'll they'll improve, and it looks like buying support's coming in at this nice level. Yeah, I think it's targeting 250 centres, which co costs them to get open and off the ground. But then mm. you know when they're open, presumably they'll be making money. So there you go, Jeff Pacific Smiles. That's a buy from both of our expert guests today. Got a couple of them so far. REA Group. This is for Daniel. Um, I might start with you, uh, David. I'm turned around, so there you go. Um, now, Morgan Stanley, so I did read a note from Morgan Stanley. It says that fears around listings are overdone for REA Group. It remains pretty positive on the outlook. It's got an overweight rating. Um, you know, but then you read another report, and um, yeah, it's talking about cycling through some of these strong listings. It's, it's kind of hard to get a read on where people feel that REA Group is going to go. How about you? 
Yeah, it, it is a little bit hard. Um, we've got a, an accumulate recommendation, which is equivalent to the to the overweight that you mentioned before. Uh, it is a business that that it, it, it is competing with uh, domain in the the main segment as far as the the real estate listings are concerned. Um, it is in an interesting environment though because we've seen such a strong real estate market. Um, many properties have actually been selling off the you know but before they even hit the market so the the real estate agents haven't necessarily needed to put all of the properties up there so if we are heading into a bit of a softer period in terms of real estate um, sales that may actually play into uh, realestate.com's business because uh, the agents need to pay listing fees and the longer that it's on the on the site uh, the more listing fees that they they end up paying so um, yeah, a bit of a, an unusual one in that uh, a, a bit of a softening of the market may actually play into their into their hands. Okay, so that's an accumulate from Ord Minette. Michael, what do you think of REA Group? Because, you know, we've got a federal election cycle that usually subdents real estate activity. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it has had a pretty strong start to the second half. Yeah, it is, it is a tough one to um, get a read on. As, as we saw at their recent results, it, it was better than what everyone was expecting because because of the you know risks coming into this year um, I'd, I'd be happy to, to start accumulating here as well I think that yeah there are challenges there's a bit of uncertainty as to how they might fare um, from here but I think it seems like that's pretty much been taken into account with the share price fall mm-hmm. um, it's fallen about 20 percent so it used to be a you know a 170 dollars stock and and now it's back to 135 and you know and charting wise it, it looks like there's been some really nice buying step in at around 130 so i think it'll it'll start to edge back higher from here so good value right now yeah, really it looks like yeah. It. yeah okay so you guys are saying accumulate i'm putting a buy on that okay <laughs> just for consistency sake and <laughs> essentially that's what you're saying yep. um okay so number nine on the list well, first, before we get there, do you see things for domain any differently, Michael, than REA Group? Because oftentimes mm. you've got to pick between the two, don't you, to, to, to have in your portfolio, depending um, on, on the composition? Yeah, look, I mean, I, I prefer the way REA is trading compared to domain. So okay. just, I've just pulled up a chart of domain now, and to me that looks a little bit more ugly than, than REA. REA seems to have better buying support every time it does get moving. So, I mean, based on that alone, I'd, I'd feel more comfortable holding an REA. Okay, good. Now, that's for Daniel. Let's get to Bluebet from Molly. So, Bluebet is pushing into the United States market. I do believe that it's got a mobile-first strategy. Um, so, uh, there's a lot sort of happening in that online betting space. And, and a lot of these Aussie companies are looking to the U.S., for growth. Um, it's still a maturing market there, of course, when it particularly comes to horse racing. So uh, what do you make of Bluebet, its model, and uh, its prospects for growth outside of the Australian marketplace, David? Yeah, it's a business that, that we like. Uh, the, the share price has been impacted over the, the last six months or so, but we do think that it's it's got uh, good long-term growth, uh, not only in the, the Australian market, as you said, with that mobile-first strategy. It, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, the interesting thing about Bluebet is that their um, their cost of acquisition of customer is a lot lower than than many of the other uh, betting companies. So, 
for that reason, we like their Australian uh, business. And as you said, they're expanding into the US. In April, they'll they'll start uh, in Iowa, which will be their first US state. Uh, and then they're targeting about another three to five states across the year. So that's really seen as the the blue sky for the for the betting industry at the moment is the the US and see that uh, you know Bluebet is, is well positioned in that space. So yeah, we've got a buy recommendation. Target price of a dollar fifty, uh, which gives upside of about eighty six percent. But again, uh, it's obviously you know not a not a profitable business at the moment, and uh, it is in that high risk category. Why why have we seen the share price coming under pressure? I think the the, the overall sector uh, has been tarnished, I suppose, with the the sell off in growth since November last year. That uh, you know they've been um, you know, partly technology, partly growth. Uh, so we've seen a sell-off in, in Bluebet and PointsBet and, and a number of those businesses. Yeah, PointsBet is incredibly volatile from day to day in this environment. Um, Michael, what do you think of Bluebet? BBT is the ticker code for Molly because it has had to spend big on advertising and marketing. You've yeah. got to think that's not going to change if it's planning to push more significantly mm. into the US. And competition is so great. I mean, even if you look at the Australian and New Zealand marketplaces, mm. There's many places you can go to do sports and racing betting. That's that's right. So, I mean, I have to admit I don't understand these very well. I mean, I leave my gambling to the share market, so I'm not, you know. No, oh, very... you gamble <laughs> on the share no, market. It's, it's, it's very measured. It's very measured. Um, yeah, I just the competition thing. So I just can't get my head around why. Sure, they're expanding in the U.S., but why can't someone else with bigger pockets of money turn up and? You know, and really um, make life hard for them. So, um, so yeah, maybe that's more failing on my 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 end because I just can't understand um, how they could uh, overcome that. And 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 to David's point earlier, um, you know, any any sort of company that's that's trying to grow but not making money yet is is being um, punished uh, in this market with rising rates. You know, there's less appetite for businesses that are are still losing money. So we do have that in the background. Um, obviously, we saw the chart before mm-hmm. downtrend, like a downtrend. So for me, it's just too too hard to feel confident to, to invest at this stage. So too many negatives there piling on top of one another for Bluebet in Michael's view. That brings us to Lucky last on the list. And this is Sims Metal Group, uh, SGM. This is for Ashton. So Sims, you would think, is in a very sweet spot because it's in that sort of um, scrap metal part of the market. So we've got obviously very tight supply chains. We've got prices rising. Um, But I was doing a bit of reading and Turkey is actually a key market for the company. Turkey apparently relies on Russia for natural gas. And so I'm saying that the energy crisis could actually materially affect scrap demand there. There's lots going on for Sims Metal Group. David, if you also throw in, you know, supply chain risk, um, you can think about freight costs in and of themselves um, but then you get you get back to that commodity price story and you know you've seen global pig nickel prices for example rising exponentially as of late <laughs> so is sims a place that you're comfortable being right now um probably not right now as, as you said there's so much going on with the company at the moment and, and going on globally uh we did actually, or we do have a buy recommendation on it, but that research came out in mid-Feb after their result. It was an excellent result. They they reported very well. But we've seen the share price rocket 
very strongly since that. Uh, they're, they're up about 13, 14% in the last month. Um, our target price on the stock is $20 and it's mm. now trading above that. Um, so I'd probably be be holding back on, on buying them at the moment. Um, and yeah, the, the, as you said, there's supply chain issues, there's uh, commodity price um, issues with them. We're actually forecasting that their earnings will decline uh, over the next 12 months by about 26%. So uh, if you're holding them, I'd probably be, be considering taking some profits at, at current levels and, and maybe waiting for uh, a cheaper share price to be entering them. Yeah, um, you answered my question. I was going to say, if you're holding, do you want to take profits? Because that's how you crystallize those um, those gains off paper, right? So, Michael, right. Um, mm. yeah, do you trim, do you take profits in Sims Metal Group? Or if you think about the whole sort of broader, broader picture, yes, there's volatility, but scrap mm. metal is in high demand, yep. um, reducing, reusing and recycling. And it also does have other businesses going on under the Sims Metal Group, which really does speak to that whole recycling and energy yeah. waste or waste to energy sort of narrative as well. It's an interesting business. Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's enough of a tailwind there. Um, you know, the, the Chinese are, are importing more scrap. There's more demand for scrap um, because of you know, environmental reasons. So mm. I think there's enough, there's enough of a tailwind in there to potentially see further upside in the share price. Um, for me, it's a hold. It, you know, when I look at the chart between May and February, there was some very clear resistance near $18. So because it had been in a range for so long, I think the recent break um, has legs. So I think there's, there is further upside. Um, so for me, it's definitely a hold. In terms of buying, yeah, as, as, as David mentioned, it's, it's moved quite a bit in a short period of time. So I'd prefer to see some kind of pullback over the next few days or so, given you know, the broader markets looking like it might have a bit of a pullback anyway. So I'd, I'd look for a better entry point, but um, if I was in it, I'd, I'd hold. Okay, so better entry point, because that's the thing, is um, even though the commodity story has been so strong for the Australian Equity Index, there's so mm. many you know, nuances to that story under the hood. If you had to pick sort of one commodity that you're most mm. keen to gain exposure to right now, what is that? Um, the one that seems to be doing the best at the moment is lithium. I know you know, part of me feels like it's very crowded space because everyone's talking about it. Um, but, you know, the, the same thing was happening uh, early this year. Everyone was super bullish on lithium and that was you know, a bit of a short term top and a lot of the, the share prices came back. But we've been stepping back into those stocks over the last week or two. Um, yeah, pretty much most commodities uh, outside of gold and energy, I think, will generally move higher. I think oil obviously has had that big move because of what's happening overseas. So that is maybe a little bit too volatile. Gold, I just find it completely unreliable. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the gold price doesn't seem to adhere to what it should be doing, and then the gold stocks do their own thing. But, <clears throat> excuse me, so yeah, lithium clearly looks looks very bullish, and, and even the iron ore stocks, um, I think, still have further upside from here. So as I mentioned earlier, I think one of the biggest problems at the moment is, um, you know, holding yourself back from just buying too many yeah, right. of these things so you don't end up, you know, heavily totally overweight. overweight. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to push you for a lithium name that sure. you have been buying. <clears throat> so, excuse me. So, um, we have been buying mineral resources. Okay. Excuse me, okay? PLS. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so they're obviously fairly large cap. Um, they're doing quite well. 
Um, I was here on the, the, the trade on Monday and there were a couple of stocks that I mentioned there, uh, LTI, LPI, um, EWS. But look, I have to admit, you just pull up a list of lithium stocks and throw a dart and you're probably going to you know, get a bit of upside in, at least in the short term. Got it. All yeah. right. We'll, we'll direct our viewers to that Monday episode of The Trade as well. David, same question to you, because it's been such a narrative as of late. I mean, do you guys like the energy space or is there something, some other way that you can play this commodities or the, what's the best way to play what many people are calling a commodity super cycle? Absolutely. Yeah. And we do like lithium. Uh, the, I guess the preferred stock for, for us is Allchem, all uh, which is AKE is the, the stock code there used to be Oracobra. Uh, and long term, we like that lithium story because the the expectations are that by 2030, 40% of the, the sales of vehicles will be EV. Uh, so it's a, it's a good long term theme. Uh, we like that. But then similarly, across the across the uh, the base metal sector, um, Iron ore obviously continues to, to go well, and we've seen the likes of, of copper, aluminium, nickel, etc., go well. Uh, South 32 is probably the stock that we like that has mm. some diversified exposure to, to a number of those commodities. All right. Well, thank you, guys. I got a couple of um, bonus buys at the end from you both. <laughs> Our viewers will appreciate that greatly. Let me just round up what we've learned in that past half hour or so. Baby bunting, it's a buy for David Lane. Now, it is a sell for Michael um, for Michael Gable. He's just not interested. He saw the market selling into the result. It's cheap, but uh, it's a big red flag for him when the market sells into a pretty good result and continues to sell. Pacific Smiles is a buy from both of my guests, and it's looking pretty good value now as well. Um, Ordmanet has a $3.08 price target on the company and also points to the yield. Now, REA Group also buy from both of my guests. They both said accumulate, but we're going to interpret that as a buy, um, and it's according to the charts as well. And Michael Gable says, according to the charts, it's better than domain as well. But yeah, um, looking for opportunity there um, in, as far as David Lane is concerned. Uh, Bluebet, it's not profitable, but uh, they do like the Australian business over at Ord Minette. I believe they do have a uh, buy on the company. And Michael Wayne does not get the business, so he's not really that interested. He um, doesn't see anything too incredible about the chart either. For Sims, it is a buy for David Lane. It is a hold for Michael Gable. He says that you can probably get a better entry into uh, into that company, although you know the tailwinds are definitely behind it, which led to a story about commodities, lithium. Uh, Michael is buying min resources and palladium, and we've got uh, Alchem being bought by the guys at Ordmanet and David Lane also really like South 32. So there you go. Uh, David Lane joining us from Ordmanet in Brisbane. Looks like a gorgeous day there. I do hope you enjoy the rest of the it afternoon. Is. Thank you so much for today. Thank you very much. And Michael Gable, always a pleasure from Fairmont Equity. Second time in this yeah. week. Thank you. Lucky um, me. Yeah. All right. We'll see you soon. Thanks. Thank you. And if you'd like us to cover a company as Ashton did or as Angus did or Claire, you can email us at the call osbiz.com.au and check out that portfolio Oz online. The address is at the bottom of your screen. It's osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. Sometimes that trips people up.